Welcome to Inside the Firm, a podcast dedicated to small business owners and hosted by entrepreneurs, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Each week, they take you on their journey of how to start, run, and grow a business by bringing you inside their architecture and real estate development firm. Get a behind-the-scenes tour of how these business leaders manage their clients and foster company culture while creating new and innovative projects. And now your host, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Blast off. Lance Michael Cycle. Al. Alexander Keith Gore. As I like, did you forget? Alexander Keith Gore. We just came back from meeting with the whole city council, the mayor, uh, probably 10 developers, maybe 12. Yep. And then 30, 30, 40 of just people, general public. Uh, the paper was there. What were we doing now? What were you doing? How did you, I mean, that was a meeting. Yeah. I can't express how much of a meeting that was. That was intense. It was pretty intense. Yeah. So obviously this relates to architecture, but any, so many governments, anything you do is you're probably working with the government and you're probably selling your product to the people. So the city is changing its zoning and it's changing two big things. One, it's whole zoning code. And then two, this was supposed to be about just inclusionary zoning, which means giving a percentage of your new development over to... Uh, um, affordable housing and there's two senses of affordable and let's use the terms affordable meaning subsidize for those you know 50% under the medium income and then ah, those can change so don't get stuck up on, on the numbers and then workforce housing meaning everyone that has a regular job from the trash and there's actually num- two to num- the teacher and there's two numbers that actually apply to that they are you, you have to fall between 80% and 120% you're considered of, of a medium income that's what's considered workforce, work workforce uh, affordability. Yep, yep. So they sent out. They didn't even send us an email. It was just in the paper, and then I decided to come. Um, and they sent out some requests to actual developers. So I just told the assistant um, manager that Joe, one of the people, invited me. Which we talked, and they said, "Yeah, please come." So that's an invite. Uh, and then I gave a presentation. That was after a bunch of people gave. What one person gave a presentation, a bunch of people talked. Yeah, uh, and you want I, I, I immediately afterwards I go Lance, what did you think? And he said, "We'll wait for the podcast." Yeah, so go. <laughs> what did you think? What did I think? Oh, I thought uh, number one, if you are, if any, if everybody listening to this, if you are thinking about being, I don't actually, if you are just in the building industry, development, real estate development affects you. Uh, even if you're a consumer, right? So if there's ever an opportunity for you to help facilitate a meeting like this, whether it's you going up, trying to getting getting in touch with each of the city council members, the mayor, and then as many developer people or or people in the insiders that you can, try to get meetings like this where people actually want to talk back and forth, it, it discuss things, and they want to learn from each other. That was my big hopeful takeaway from it, and that's why I ran. I ran over to the city council. I went over to the mayor, and then I went over to one of the more prominent city council members. Went, shook their hands, and everything, and said thanks so much. I said, "What I what I would hope we can do learn moving forward is if we, you if you guys can teach us about these details, these numbers, these targets you're trying to hit, and if we can help you understand where we're coming from with our details, uh, in specifics to costs and and the hurdles we're up against." And some of these ridiculous codes that, that we're having to deal with, I think I think this is where we can start bridging this public and private uh, enterprise together. 
uh, and, and I what I what I pointed to exactly was these these freaking fire sprinklers. I said, Polly, we just showed you guys in the meeting that you said this awesome. Yeah, I said, Polly, we just showed you guys in the meeting how other cities are opting out of this and thus re- reducing the the final cost to the consumer on these townhomes, which are some of the most dense. It literally is, besides building a skyscraper and doing condos that way, the most dense way of developing and providing the most units per acre. We're trying to do, yes, we're trying to maximize our profit. Yes. But aren't you guys also trying to maximize how many how many units come into the city so you can provide more because there's such a shortage in Colorado? So she was 100% open to that. And, you know, you know, then she, we started getting like bigger discussions about, I'm not joking, Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Wow, you went there. Well, she, awesome. I didn't. She did. Nice. I didn't. She did. I mean, I'm talking to a politician, right? Yeah. And I, you know me, like I'm deep in politics, so I understand, deep. especially with this last book, it was so perfect for me to be reading this last book. And that's why I think it's okay for me to read these political books and not do the, you know, all this other, whatever you're doing, what? Jocko crap. <laughs> <laughs> Junk. <laughs> but, but it was beautiful because it related back to one of her big concerns is she says, She's like, we have a we have a problem, and it's because of Ronald Reagan, and he took away all of these programs for mental health, and then the, uh, for mental health, and then uh, the, got out of the HUD for the you know took a lot of money out of there. And I go, yeah. Plus, he exacerbated the drug war, so he just he just doubled down on everything, yeah. right? He he literally doubled down on the problem. So <clears throat> that 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 was my big takeaway from it was thank God that they're actually open to listening to us because. Some of the, the the sentiments that came out from the developers on our side, it was literally a bunch of capitalists on one side and a bunch of government officials on the other side. It was hilarious. Yep. A lot of words like like free market solutions and stuff like that. Right? I'm just telling you to clear your throat. Oh. Lance. So, so um, uh, where was I going? See, now you, you uh, sorry, sorry. So uh, capitalists versus um, government officials. And not versus. People were there to help. And Oh, one of the, yeah, one of the things that you, you kept hearing these words like free market. You know, we want... We're, what we would like to do as developers is why can't we try to do this provide uh, provide affordable housing organically with a free yes. market reduce the regulations reduce the process um, so and I think it was apparent but we didn't get to it here's one of the points I was going to say but I think it was already brought up and everyone had such a limit and a constraint because everyone wanted to talk was if you reduce all this stuff we will make workforce housing I, I will do it land money uh mitigate risk that was a huge thing that the, that all the other developers talked about and what i also believed in is man if we could just mitigate all this risk that's what's holding us back it's not all these these other issues and then um another thing that i'm going to email they asked they asked me for my presentation i'm going to record it so that i can actually give the full presentation and give them the pdf why aren't we talking about affordable housing with the existing housing stock? Oh, that was a beautiful point. And when you were when you were speaking, I was I would I would make a point. I think also have a have a partner go with you, even if it's just an assistant from your firm that goes in, because if you get if you get the microphone and you're speaking, have the assistant look watch around the table. This is there's no way around politics, so you right. have to watch who's nodding and who's not. So when Alex brought up the point of hey. It, it, and every single person on that side of the table on the on a city council was nodding in agreement with you when when you were talking about affordable housing and taking it to the existing stock level like why aren't we looking at that why awesome. do we think only new housing is or is going to solve the affordability problem 
in, in, in long run. Great. I'm glad you said that. And don't let me forget because I'm going to lead with that. Another thing I wanted to ask you because we work in tandem and we have separate uh, perspectives, which is great because I think that's how you get to- towards the truth. But you, did you even see my presentation before? No, no. So exactly. <laughs> what, uh, and it wasn't even the full presentation. So what, how, how did I do? How, how was it? Al Gore crushed the presentation. And yeah. I think it was because of one of the things that the mayor actually said later on in the meeting. He goes, if we, if, if we set a deadline, then we get more things accomplished. So Al, we were prefaced with, you, you have yeah, less three than minutes. five minutes, yeah. like three minutes. So it was like a 25, 25 slide presentation. And Alex and I, as obviously you can tell from this podcast, we're 52 episodes in long winded. We can talk all day long, yeah. but Alex had to, he had to cut it so short and just get down to the points and brass tacks. But I'm telling you, watching you, watching you give it, it was, I wasn't so much concerned about what you were saying. I was more, how, how yeah. was the audience taking it? And it was nod after nod after nod, except for when you got to open space. Yeah, no one, which I <laughs> honestly... I, I can't believe they're so stuck on the open space. I had I to really finally it. see it from my from an objective standpoint after when you were presenting it to our local government of, oh, wow, they really are in love with this open space. Another reason to bring another person to these meetings, even if it's just a, a staff person, is that Lance commented after my comment, and there's so much said I don't even remember, but I'm sure that you're doing this either subconsciously or consciously is that, okay, Lance is watching, your other person is watching everyone else. And your other person knows who you are. So Lance knows where I'm coming from, what I'm saying. If a point is missed or unclear, or if half are nodding, half are nodding, you can then be the other person that takes the mic and reinforce or expand on without you know saying, I'm expanding on this or reinforcement. It, it, to them, it seems like another person, wow, he agrees with him. There's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, you sort of set yourself up. <clears throat> I don't think it's for an. It's like a one-sided echo chamber. I think you're echoing, but you're going back to like somebody or elaborating or, or elaborating. Somebody and the other side is at least it's a reverberating with them a little bit, or being it's more receptive in that or way. going deeper too, like that point and then explaining it further. You know that is elaborating, but there's there was so much to that meeting that. Um, the, the, I don't know my how surprising gonna, takeaway. My surprising yeah. takeaway was their concern about traffic. So one of their big concerns was, hey, if we're going to update this this zoning to allow for more units per acre, yeah. well, how are you get, how you developers? How are you guys going to help us deal with all the traffic? And what was amazing was then the developers said, well, actually, if you look at the numbers, the problem is is that we have so many people coming into the city, and because they can't live here there, there's no there's no there's nowhere for them to live so we have actually with this workforce coming in and and that's the issue do, do you think okay their question from the city council was unclear to me in the sense of were they trying to get us to pay for traffic or were they trying to eliminate traffic so that they can have an easy drive to work how are we going to pay for it okay how are we going to pay for it i don't know but this the answer that might be a huge sticking point. Their only answer is probably to add another impact fee. fee. Impact fee. In, increase the impact fee. How to redo, how to make the, because she said quality of life. How to make the quality of life better is you guys need smarter traffic system. You need, you need an intelligent traffic system because everyone is sitting at these stoplights. They're not flowing. I'm telling you, besides open space, I'm assaulted by traffic lights the most. Al is violated by them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So there you go. What? Nothing. Nothing. Uh, so moving ahead, what their what the, what their plan is? We met with them because 
you know, one of the big points that I think that they did not understand, and now they do at least from our perspective, is there's these two components to development. It's there's site plan review, which is just massive, and building permitting. And and I don't think that staff really understood exactly what we're talking, or not staff, but city council got it until Alex went through his presentation and showed them, look, there are two different problem things here. And what you need to know is our foundations don't move. So why can't we get a foundation plan before we get a building permit? Why can't we do this hybrid approach? Why does it have to be so linear? Can we have more of a cohesive, cohesive way of, of doing this? What I find hilarious though is so they're going to do this rezoning. They're going to do this new inclusionary thing right before two years down the road. I, I think we're going to crash again. And then what are they going to repeal it? It's like the uh, same cause, because that's what they did before is they, they did this inclusionary zoning. Then the economy crashed and then they repealed it because they thought, oh, crap, the only way we're going to get people. I don't know. You know, we need to incentivize the developers that they don't have to do this inclusionary zoning. Yep. And then now we're right back to where we were. It's hilarious. Uh I have an idea that I want to propose to you. It's not fully thought out, but one of the issues is that multiple, multiple resubmittals and then basically the city catching things that on the second or third submittal that they did not even mention in the first submittal. And I understand that because the more you look deeper into a project, the more you get, but that's really killing cost from them having to pay architects develop, you know, civils and all that. And then time too, and then carrying costs on the land. What if you said, Hey, uh, city council or the plan reviewers only get two submittal, resubmittals. And that second one, unless the, the, because here's the thing is that on that second one, what if the developer moves something and makes something else new? But if the developer didn't move something and you missed it, like you only get two shots at this. You can only comment on the comments that you made and said, did you address that or did you not address that? You cannot come up with new comments. Right, and that then, would put that would put some. I don't know. Thoroughly. Well, it sets a deadline, right? Yeah. It sets a deadline. It sets like a goal line and 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 a restriction, and then has to compact everything in between that. Yeah. What I really want to get to though, when they, what I kind of ended with when I was talking to some city council people, it was, I we want to continue this. This is great. This is a great first step, but it would be really helpful if we can get down to brass tacks and show you exactly what we're up against. And, and that we we don't feel like the planning staff, the fire department, these kind of people are actually, they actually even give a crap about about all the all the uphill battles we have as developers at all. And they just assume that we are making hand over fist. That was kind of my comment, you know, yeah. when I spoke up and grabbed the mic was, you guys, look, we're empathetic to you guys. We get it. We get it. But there's, it's just none. There's none coming back to our side. So I, I, I think there's got, there's got to be this education that happens back and forth where yeah. we show them, look, look, all of these other cities aren't doing this. They opted out of this. It's helping. It's helping everything. Why can't we do it here? You know, where's the evidence that we can't do it here? And if somehow we can help them, re- um, reduce the fees and reduce the process, so that we could actually make affordable work workforce housing. And then if the funds and, and the fees and everything could go to reducing uh, the existing housing stock towards that, I think we have a real workable solution. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, uh, I, I want to see, I, I can see that vision and I want to help them make it happen. There you go. How are you going to do it? I don't know. I don't but know they talked about they have a million dollars in marijuana fee 
and marijuana money. I didn't, and, I didn't think we got that though because well, but let me go to this point: is that okay? It's easy for aren't them. They supposed to put that through the school? What? I don't know. I know. Okay. S- uh, screw schools. Okay. I'm just kidding. Uh, it's easy for them to offer incentives to create affordable housing. I'm not saying it's easy to do. It's easy to offer incentives because they can say, we will reduce our fees. We will reduce our taxes. So they're giving away money they don't even have. They don't have to come up with real dollars. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. They're giving away fake dollars. Yeah, funny money. Sure. For, yep. It's hard. They probably never look at the existing housing stock because if they see a price, and let's say it needs to go 20 grand to hit that affordable, they'd actually have to pay real 20 grand money. Not yeah. fake twenty grand money, but now since they have this pool, if you if if you could almost say that uh, they have a million dollars and there's they need fifty a hundred affordable houses houses, um, wouldn't that be? Let's do the math here. Say it again. So, how many? Ten what? Oops. Doing the math. Let's say you have how many? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's say you need 100 affordable units. Okay. And they got a million dollars. You could go to the existing housing stock and reduce all those prices by 10K. There you go. Or like what number are they shooting for? Do they even have a number in their head? I don't think so yet. I don't think you, What do you mean? Percentage-wise? No, no. Of, of how many affordable housing they actually need. Even I, if it was 50, which, which... No, no, no. That was expressed in the meeting. They, they, they don't know the exact numbers. Yeah. Fifty, you could twenty thousand dollars. I, I, I know you could get, because here's what's crazy is that I bought a house in Longmont. This was a couple of years ago, twenty thirteen. It, it was in that affordable housing price. Yeah. Hmm. It's not anymore. I mean, it's. No, it still is. It's a, it's a three bedroom. Uh, the people that moved in were a, a mom and a dad and a kid, uh, and. Oh, it was, I think, 230 or 250 And I sold it for 270 So 20 grand off would have been right in there. Oh, to make it affordable. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. There you go. See, it could work. It could work. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, how much do you think entitlement comes into it? And I mean, psychologically. Do you think entitlement has any part to play in this where, like, everybody feels like, what is the general public? That's kind of what I'm thinking is, like, is the general public have a stigma against getting, uh, saying that this house is affordable because you know it's old, it's an older house it's a it's a house from the 1980s compared to new like do we have a is a there negative a negative stigma yeah in, in thinking that all affordable is new well i think everyone thinks that because that's how we discuss it but the other analogy i brought up is there's affordable cars they're called used cars yeah, exactly. Your first car. I mean, unless your parents were super rich in high school, did you have these kids where the parents bought them an actual new car? Yeah, they owned dealerships. <laughs> okay. We called them dealership kids. Dealership kids. Okay. So we had doctor kids, yeah. right? And but but I even have other friends of, of doctors and whatever. They got the regular stupid whatever car, whatever car my parents got for us, which is a this was back in the 90s, so you know, it's some 80s nonsense car. Why why don't we think that affordable housing should be an existing housing? I don't well, understand. Honestly, I didn't even think about it in that way until you started bringing it up in, before the presentation and then during the presentation. And I think a lot of light bulbs... That's what I'm saying. When that part came up, it was nods on all, all on, the, on the side of the table opposite the developers. It was nod after nod after nod. And the developers... Were, I think the developers were actually taken back thinking, holy crap, I hadn't even thought about that. I hadn't awesome. even thought about that. You know, it's, 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 so... I think there's a it's a there's a cultural problem 
where we think it's all got to be new houses and, and it should we should start thinking about it like cars and and shouldn't it also um maybe you can't bring down the price to where you want and maybe longmont says hud we don't we don't need your standards for what the price should be with the affordable housing what we need to help these people on is the initial down payment and all that if you give someone 20k not directly to them but 10k goes towards the house 7k goes towards fees so 13 goes towards the house and they can work within the system of of how much your mortgage is and all that and it depends how much you get and maybe it's a va loan so maybe you know isn't that one of the big hurdles like that initial oh absolutely that was my big hurdle for when i first bought my first house with the down payment i think it's every i for i mean absolutely it's hard to you know there's a, a statistic that keeps getting thrown around that with all the, I was listening to Peter Schiff this morning on Tom Woods, amazing podcast. Everybody, everybody should check it out because Peter Schiff, if, no, if you don't know this, he's the guy who predicted the crash in 2000, 2008. He predicted the crash. He yeah. was the one, he wrote a book about it. He's super famous about it. Um, but one of the things, one of the things they were talking about is they were like, look, there's a major problem right now that nobody's talking about. That only these guys are talking about that. The average American cannot come up with $500. They don't have they have less than a thousand dollars saved. So yes, that is the problem is coming up with the cash to get into the system to have a house, right? Then you're still paycheck to paycheck and there's a whole other series of, you know, economies based on that and why it's a problem. Yep. Great. Awesome. What else you got? Anything else? I got, I got nothing. So so that was that meeting. Is there any new, new, is there any actual development news about the development? Uh, There's one and this is where it's honestly not a fight between the city and the developers. And I know that sometimes I might be guilty of presenting it as such. Um, but the, the city and the staff are handcuffed, meaning like we have to follow these rules. So we sent in everything last week, uh, foresight plan review to, to get accepted. And then they take a week, they look at everything and they, they, they deem it sufficient or insufficient. Email came back and said it's insufficient because they needed a DWG that wasn't, it wasn't even listed, right? So I emailed the DWG and says, do we have to wait a week for you to deem this sufficient? Um, or can we get on the schedule right away? And the, the planner said, Hey, I'll email the guy that wanted it. Oh, he said, it's good. Okay. We'll put you on the schedule. Thank, thank, thank the good Lord above. I honestly <laughs> did not expect that at all. I was yeah. expecting. It was just such a slog. Oh, I can't, <laughs> yeah. I can't complain about it enough. Yep. It's so difficult. Yep. Yeah. Well, with that, I think, uh, I think we'll segue into, uh, bestie time with uh, Nick from Nick Reads. Hello, best friends. I hope you all had a great week this week. A reading. Avoid being a slave to seasonal business. Some service companies collect the majority of their fees in a small defined season. This is true with tax professionals who have a massive inflow of business in the spring followed by a trickle throughout the rest of the year. As a business owner and leader, if you're pegged to seasonal sales, you're at the mercy of a feast or famine cycle. With a bountiful year, your firm keeps growing. If you experience famine, you may have to lay off some people and will struggle to make the next season. Look to find sectors that have complementary seasons to your firm. This will help you balance your cash flow and build up a reserve. Free yourself from business cycles. The health of your professional service firm is directly linked to the health of your clients. 
If your clients are a single industry, you face riding a single business cycle along with them, putting your firm at risk. Some firms mature and eventually decline. Others accept the cycles and emerge as strong players. If your firm explores unknown territories, you are likely to tune into new trends, spot disruptive players, and win them over as clients. As a trend spotter, you can also help your current mature clients adapt and adjust to new realities. You create value for them so that you both stay busy. Art Gensler Al, I had thought of a witty, obscure reference earlier this week. It was probably pretty funny, but straight forgot it. Toodles! So what did you think? I thought uh, <clears throat> it's hard to not think. Okay, how does it, how do when 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 we do these when Nick reads, how does this immediately affect me? Like, how does it immediately affect us? Because you think because because it is pointed, right? Uh, so I thought, thank God we don't have seasonal. We, we're not we're not subject to seasonal business in Colorado because even though this is a cold February, colder than usual. The last three or four have been in the 70s, and people have been forming foundations. I know, in, gr- growing up in North Dakota, and then working in North Dakota as a as a in the in the building industry, that was a big problem. That you don't you don't pour foundations in the winter, so it just shuts down. So you so they're literally aligned to the seasons. So it's like the it's like a perfect ecosystem, right? Yep. Where they're we're like ants, and in the winter we're hoping to get inside work you know all the carpenters i know would be like oh yeah i've got three months worth of inside work lined up i'm just gonna be doing trim and drywall good good for them but down here th- thank god but what i am worried about is and i want everybody to, i want everybody to google this okay i want everybody to, to look up the uh, austrian business cycle theory it's an economic theory developed by the austrian school of economics about how the business cycles occur the theory views business cycles as a consequence of excessive growth growth in bank credit due to artificially low interest rates set by a central bank or a fractional reserve bank. Why that applies globally is because we live in a world with central banks and what are they doing right now? They are slowly ratcheting up the interest rates. So if you're aware, no matter what, no matter what season you're in, you're always in that season. So if you're as a business owner, the macro season, yeah, it behooves you not to know what that business cycle theory, how it works. And it's not just, interest rates and bank loans it's also because it says a money supply increased money supply due to what the government just deciding to print print money (laughs) hey we don't care that we only brought on this revenue we're gonna spend twice as much um and if you really want to get crazy look up modern monetary theory that'll that'll you'll just hate you'll just hate it yeah (laughs) or on it or don't because (laughs) i'll look it up and he's like oh this uh, hurts my head hurts my head um ray dalio uh who's this Runs one of the biggest hedge funds and the most successful. So not one that just doesn't go below, you know, the average. He crushes it. Billions and billions of dollars. Um, But no, he's not that one. Anyways, he has a book. It's called Principles. And one of the things he talked about, this is what he figured out 20 years ago, is that we need to invest in uncorrelated risk. So if we are, let's say architecture, we're investing all in residential design. We can diversify, and most people diversify. Okay, I'll do additions, housing, a regular single family homes. Single families. I'll do multifamily and maybe rich people. He goes, those are correlated risks. Exactly. Because if the residential housing goes down, your diversification doesn't mean squat, right? So 
in, in his, let's say he invests in the stock market, uh, in, in high tech, okay? If, if he diversified from IBM to Google, if all, if all tech goes down, then, then he's screwed. So he will say, what's uncorrelated to that? Well, mining ore is totally uncorrelated. And they do all their studies. Like, there's When this goes up and down, it does not affect this whatsoever. They are not touching each other. So then you truly diversify because you're not putting all your eggs in, in one basket. And it's a nuanced approach to diversification. So a question to us, to you, and then also to everyone else is, are you, is your diversification strategy correlated or uncorrelated? I, I would say ours, a heavy amount is correlated. We do have some other ones like the BIM that is uncorrelated. Schooling is a little uncorrelated, uh, but our residential is correlated. It, it's just, I don't have an answer. I'm just proposing a concept to you because maybe some sort of housing goes down, but maybe assisted living goes up. Yeah, that might be true. But if all housing goes down, that's a large percentage of our business. Yeah, absolutely. And mm-hmm. I, I, I don't have an ad. What, what I think it's hard for me to compare is like, you, so you named, you named those things you named. Okay, Lance and Al teach, then they sell a product at the school. And that is, that is our book and our course, right? Plus we have an online business that does the same thing. Um, we're, we are technically builders, so we could possibly build, right? We do a lot of residential work. We do some light commercial work. Um, we do Bitcoin, Bitcoin mining. We do BIM. So we have seven different things, but I don't know how that stacks up compared to other firms. I have, I, you know, it's hard for me to, to give like an answer of like, oh, maybe we are better suited or maybe we're not. But because the problem is at the end of the day, most of that has to do with building. Most of that has right. to do with just like real estate in some way. But, but what gets me to what might be a common discussion that we might have is, oh, let's get into something uncorrelated to housing and maybe stay within our vein and relate that to uh, tech buildings. Like for my tech off, you know, like getting Google buildings. Getting, Amazon. A- Amazon. Call us up. Exactly. But, and, and, and we could think about that and we could see how we could incrementally approach that and then maybe look at some past history and see, okay, when housing went down, what, what else, what went up? You know, were they building warehouses? Should we be more in the medical marijuana, you know, industry in, in designing their spaces? Two pages later, he says, we avoid unrealistic, unrealistic prospecting. So how do we think about uncorrelated, <laughs> but don't put it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, you can't yeah. just be unrealistic about it. So there's your uh, dichotomy of leadership. Shout out Jocko. That's the only thing I do apparently. Yeah. And look for the next trend. I don't know how you look for the next trend other than just being just keeping your eyes and ears open at, at all times and, and looking for, for looking for the next big thing. I think one of the trends that we spotted was the tiny houses, and then we capitalized on that. Um, so that was big. Oh, the other one was BIM, right? That was from the beginning. We, we capitalized on that. Yeah. But, but for the next one, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I would love, I would love if we kind of tied it all into one where we, we were the builder, the, the developer, and we presented, let's say, city council, and we said, look, what about tiny houses? What about a carless community? What if we what if we did something like that, and and propose something like that, and that helped us like wade through the next recession, so we didn't have to lay people off. What some other companies I know, architecture companies did is they stayed within their uh, vein of architecture. They just moved locations, right, or expanded locations. And what it was during the recession was China, right? So they their uh, increase in international revenue. Norman Foster, perfect example of that. When he made it, he, that was his. And when he 
they almost shut down shop. And then when he came back, if you ever watched uh, Mr. Foster, How Much Does Your Building Weigh? You should check you it out. You should watch it, yes. It is phenomenal. It's super inspiring. We show it every year, every semester for uh, one of the courses we teach it to you. But... What what's awesome about it is that he he they show they you know he says one of the one of the one of his business strategies was he went global and yep. that's Norman Foster like we can't maybe we can't do that right but he did at least try to put his tentacles all over the place learning from that getting beat down from that one recession but I think this is where it's valuable is that in a recession let's say your industry gets hit maybe it's health and and no one's building hospitals anymore is that it might be not worth it to try to predict what's going to be uncorrelated now, right? And, and, and spread yourself too thin and you don't know what's going to happen. And you might invest in something. You might go from health to, to corporate buildings and realize, no, all corporate is actually, actually not doing well. So there's risk there. But what's useful about it is that, okay, recession hits, your industry is going down. Now, no, I need to look at uncorrelated and I need to look quickly. And then I can say, okay, maybe I do need to start uh, applying, connecting with international companies, developers, or I need to move to Texas. I don't, I don't know, but it, it might give you a clearer head that that's where you need to go. And your vein has died or for a while. I'll give does you, does that one, make sense? It does 100%. I'll give you one that I, that I, we haven't tapped into and we're at least this side of the table is kind of uncomfortable about it. Yeah. Um, and that is, you know where I'm going with this? Yeah. And so the last recession, what happened was the architects and the landscape architects that ended up, just anybody in that industry that that didn't immediately go under, they all went to well, they all went to government work, and they all started latching on to to different government government style you know work. It could be anything. Like literally, I know the city like this the city we operate in. One of the things they did is they tried to make everything a little bit more ADA accessible. So, but you're just doing ramps all day long. You're just upgrading bathrooms all day long. But I think for anybody else listening, that is an avenue, right? If this, if you are heavily invested right now, in most of your work is in the private sector from private developers and just private individuals, consider at least starting to look at how you segue into possible government work, even with it, with just your local, with your local community. You, I mean, there's a whole level of bureaucracy in getting, getting into that system. But like I, I saw a couple firms be able to, for one or two years, they were still doing just fine. Meanwhile, you know, you and I were starving, literally starving. Yeah. And, um, I'd say that's an, a great because, example. Because here's, here, here's why, here's why government will come, will can why it will float again is it's just like the last recession they pumped in all this extra money do you remember the term shovel ready jobs yeah well that was it was it was a lot of it i mean we did some renderings with oz that was for these shovel ready projects jobs. right so i i would still regardless what i'm going to say in, in half a minute i would say that's a great strategy that we should pursue i'm almost leery about people in that sector or putting too much eggs in that basket is that before we didn't have 21 trillion dollars in debt projected to go even higher 20 20, <laughs> 20 25 by 2020 is the yep. prediction. And, and then and then because here could be the cause and i hate that too many things the stock market correlates stuff that shouldn't be correlated right just because the stock market goes down that's they're literally paying with funny money leverage yeah. money doesn't yeah. mean that the the real economy has, has problems it's not right? a good reflection it's not a good reflection so china says we're going to stop buying bonds all of a sudden the only thing that's going to correct the government is a crisis they go into crisis mode they cut funding they go, you know, and then you don't have that solution that you had before. I hope you know how to grow food. We're being crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, just do these mental exercises. How, what can it hurt? What well, can at least it hurt? driving in your car. 
Driving, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. While you're driving to while you're driving to work, cool man. Hey, uh, there was um, gosh, there was one more thing on the tip of my tongue I wanted to ask you about. Oh, the 3D stuff. So, did you see how how episode 44, episode 44? I can't remember. Who, uh, Greg, I think Greg Croft. Oh, I like that. Was listening to uh, was listening to episode 44 of Inside the Firm. And if you haven't, if you are listening to this one, and I would encourage you to go back and and talk and ask about or, or be listening for when we started talking about providing 3D foundations. Well, it, it was uh, the response in, in the Ontario Architect community was fantastic yesterday. Uh, like Lee, I can't remember his last name, but he, he showed us all these uh, the 3D trusses and everything. So we're not the only ones doing it. And it seems like the people who really get things built and, and constructed well are okay with showing basically everything. Yeah. And there's not holding back. So that's a reason running at the problem. I, I think it's, we should reemphasize, listen to 44, but reemphasize, join the entree architect community on Facebook yeah. because then you can go see it. And, and because he asks, can you show examples? Lance posted some examples. I posted some examples and then people came out of the woodworks. It was awesome. This is how I'm doing it. It was inspiring. It was cool. It was super inspiring. Yeah. And what I liked is that like, uh, I think one of the houses was kind of a high-end one, but the rest of them weren't. But it, but at least I bet that architect has the confidence to go out there in the field and say like, nope, this is exactly what we drew. Like this, and present it to the, to the contractors. And what we've been saying is the contractors love it. And same thing. All those guys are like, yeah, they love these drawings. They, they can it. see it. We're visual people. Yeah, it's hard. 2D stuff. That's in the past. Let we can we can move beyond that. Yep, for sure. Um, so we're gonna move into uh, another segment. Brought to you by. Uh, ARE Hacks, uh, the book on Amazon, go get it by Evan Troxel, and we are going to play ARE Jeopardy. Here we go with ARE questions. First one off the board, <clears throat> what is the standard continuous wheelchair pa- passage width for one wheelchair? Is it A? I guess I got to give you a Holy answer, cow, right? yeah. I was just going to throw that out there. <laughs> uh, 36 inches, B, 34, C, 42, D, 60. What is the, what is the standard continuous wheelchair passage width for one wheelchair? We got 36, 34, 42, 60. In- All right, inches. Jerome. 36 was A, C, and then C. A is correct. A is correct. Yep. yep. Going in, yep, because of the swing, depending on the swing. Yep. And then I'm going to mix it up, totally unrelated. What is the standard wheelchair passing width for two wheelchairs? So it's completely related. A, 72. B, 68. C, 84. D, 60. All in inches. All in inches. All in inches. So 72, 68. 8460. I think this is actually tougher than people think because unless you know it offhand it's it's not intuitive. Okay. Or maybe it is. Maybe maybe someone I don't know. thinks it is. All right. D C A it is D 60 inches. 60 someone inches. Is someone rushing it. I think if you're if you're if you dress if you dress to impress you dress to win too. Wow. Why, and why I say that is one of our guys is in a nice suit jacket today. Yeah, yeah, looking good. All right. Uh, this should be a layup if it's not. But wait, wait, time out. Because you couldn't just double 36 and get it. That's why it's tricky. Yeah, yeah I buy that. Sure. It's tricky in that sense if it's sequential. If you ask yeah. them sequentially, there you go. Okay. Question number three. 
A client has indicated that they wish to build a three-foot-tall retaining wall directly adjacent to their property <laughs> line. The neighboring property is downhill from your client's property line. How far back should you advise that the retaining wall be placed from your client's property line? A, two feet. B, three feet. C, four feet. D, none of the above. It is your client's property. And if they are building on their own property, they can do whatever they want. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> exactly. Okay. A client has indicated that they wish to build a three foot tall retaining wall directly adjacent to their property line. The neighboring property is downhill from your client's property line. How far back should you advise that the retaining wall be placed from your client's property line? A, two feet. B, three feet. C, four feet. D, none of the above. It's your client's property. And if they are building on their own property, they can do whatever they want. Answers. We have B, B, B. Correct. Woo. Great job. That was a layup question for everybody. Can you, and and the, the reason why is that if it falls over, it has to fall over on your property. This isn't the case in all cities, but uh, people that are listening all over, this is what's going on in Colorado. Colorado. Question. Probably a lot of so other places, we, too. So uh, we have so Jason's in the lead, right? Three to, yes. three to one? Yep. Okay. It's too bad I have a bonus, too. Maybe we need a bonus for second winner. Yeah, we got to get a one, two, three. If you guys tie, if there's a tie for for last, we're going to do a bonus. Yeah. Because I really like my bonus question. Okay. Question number four. Which kind of asbestos is most hazardous? A, friable. B, non-friable. C, both are equally hazardous. D, neither is hazardous. Which kind? This is such an just, uh, question. I know. I, was like, I crushed it with this one. That's why I like the follow-up too. Ooh. Which kind of asbestos is most hazardous? A. Friable. B. Non-friable. C. Both are equally hazardous. D. Neither is hazardous. I can tell there's some guessing. I don't want to explain what those terms mean because that might give it away. Exactly. That's why I have a follow-up question. All right. We have C, B. And C, uh, the correct answer is A. Nobody got it right. Huh. Nobody got it right. So we have a tie. We have a tie for last place. We have to do a one, two. We have to do a first, second, and third place. So this the is bonus a sweet spot. For uh, some Jason people. can still answer because I think you know whatever. Uh, we're not. We're not. This isn't Russia. Um, <laughs> in Russia, you could not answer. In Russia, questions question you. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> answer you. I don't know why I was going yeah. for there. Okay. Have you heard this phrase? What? Uh, there's some people who have a, a problem for every good solution. Oh, that you know some people I like know that, those people. Here's this, ah, you're related ah, to some of those people. Me yeah, too, me included. Yeah, everyone is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what but I my meant. family. I meant that generally. Okay, here's the bonus, and I'm really proud of myself for this one. Ready? What are the general characteristics of friable asbestos? A. Friable is dense and does not crumble easily. B. Friable is dense and crumbles easily. Oh, sorry, sorry. Let me repeat this. Okay. I messed up a little bit because I read the second answer. Okay, I'm going to do this one more time. Okay, we're starting over. Bonus question. What are the general characteristics of friable asbestos? A, friable is dense and does not crumble easily. B, friable is not dense and crumbles easily. C, friable is black and tar-like. D, friable asbestos is easily deep friable. If you're into that. 
Do, 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 what do, if they what? tie? What if they tie? Yeah. Oh, man. I don't know. I, actually, I have, a, I, have, I have a bonus bonus in my head, okay? okay? I have a bonus to the bonus. Ready? Okay, what do we have for answers? Uh, Jason has a uh, five. A. 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 Okay. Uh, Mark has a B and uh, Gresh has an A. It is B. Mark. Mark! Congratulations! What? Second in the Man, what a what an well, I knew it was gonna be a good Friday. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that is uh, this came up on my not in this exact way, so I, we don't get sued and I'll don't get my license taken away. But but asbestos will come up on the ARE. I think it's important that everybody knows what friable versus non friable is. What a terrible term that they use to describe it honestly right like what a weird thing but now you know so it's like uh if you see that insulation that's around or not the like the fireproofing that's around like let's say we're doing an old warehouse building and you see and you see that insulation that's around and that's all crumbly chances are that's friable asbestos because it's you know because asbestos that's what asbestos was a lot of times used for was like you know protecting against fire and stuff like that so uh here's just a discussion to have is Let's say let's say we're doing a warehouse like that, and uh, and the, it comes up in the in the report that it's friable asbestos. Do who directs who 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 says how to remove it? Like, do we indicate it on in our drawings, or what do we do? Um, I mean, you have to hire a remediator. Exactly. So by law, we instantly go to okay. We need to hire a professional. They handle it. We don't we don't do anything about it. If, if at all possible, okay? Um, and then it's up to them how they take care of it. And it's just this huge, lengthy process. So, you know, there you go. Anything anything else, Al? That's it? it? That's it? Okay. All right. We'll be right back with a little closing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Lance, what is the most important thing when you grow your farm? Training? Okay. Having work? There we go. <laughs> there we go. And honestly, right? How are you gonna do it without work? I'm so dumb. Yeah. How you market and sell <laughs> is huge, and I think it's underrepresented. I don't think enough people uh, think about it, pursue it, make it a d- diligent effort to market and sell. And I, I know we do, and I'm trying to even do more of it. Right? I had a boss who said his job is to get work, and then everyone else has to do the work, and that was his only job was to get work. So if you're a principal listening or someone who's responsible for it, is that your only job? And the answer I want to say is no, because we're principals and that's not our only job. We got to review and do this other stuff, but you can move more towards that. And we found uh, uh, a way to get your feet wet and a, a way to get yourself orientated and get a framework for how to market. Enix Sears has, you can register for, for free. He has a webinar. It's at ARC Marketing, so A-R-C-H marketing.org and then forward slash inside podcast forward slash inside podcast arcmarketing.org forward slash inside podcast a free webinar where he lays out the framework right uh it it costs you nothing you can listen to it while you work there's multiple viewings uh per week so if you go to there it'll just ask you all you need to do is just pick a time that's it watch it um, and at least get your head into it. If you get one good idea, which I know you will, it will be worth the time spent because you're not paying for it, but he delivers some great stuff. So that's from Enoch. Go watch that. And that's all I have. How can you support uh, us, Lance? 
You can support us first of all by heading over to iTunes uh, on your on your iPhone, hopefully, or whatever you're using, and then provide us a five star review if you're thinking about two stars. Put our five stars right on top of that. Write us something short and sweet or long if you want to. We don't care. We just want. To, we just we just hope that you uh, like this is valuable to you. And what's valuable to us is if you just let everybody else know how valuable it is, so that they believe in what we're talking about and come come join. Please also share with a friend, even if you're not even if even if your friend is not architect related maybe there's one episode that would resonate with them i actually shared uh episode i think 22 whatever it's called it's called uh, mornings mornings make your world or something like that i can't mornings remember make your day mornings make your day that's exactly what it was so i shared that with a friend uh who's just a graphic designer because he said lance how are you so dang productive? Awesome. Just, um, because apparently, apparently on the internet, I look really productive. And actually, my wife does say that, yeah, you're a very productive person. So I, I, I said, hey, just check out this episode because it lays out productive habits that Alex and I have instilled in our lives. And honestly, if you know some anyone that listens to podcasts, they're, they're always, there's always a time in their life where they're looking for something new, looking for something different to add. So just give them. Do you know what number that is? Uh, yeah, if you give me one second while I yeah. try to just babble so, on, keep you keep talking. Um, essentially, share it with them. Um, that's a good one because it applies to everyone. It, it, it lays out what we do in the morning, how we are. Uh, you could just search for it, Lance. I'm looking. Inside the firm. I swear, it, here it is. I got it somewhere. Okay. Uh, episode 28. There we go. Sorry it took so long. There we go. <laughs> so go check out episode 28 of Inside the Firm. And share it. Uh, and share it with somebody. Uh, and then please jo- join the join the Inside the Firm Facebook uh, group. It's a private group. You got to you gotta come in and, and check it out. We People ask us questions uh, that pertain to, hey, I'm thinking about using one recently was, I'm thinking about using Thumbtack. How would you guys respond to this request? I am more than happy to help people out in that way. Two, two more ways to support just just everyone uh entree architect facebook group that's mainly for professional students can be in there great stuff there and then if you're starting the are gets are hacks from amazon there you go all right we'll see you guys next week